This is a time of transformation. As old ways fall, men are called to rise, to heal our lives, grow strong, and transcend our limitations. In tribes around the world, drawing on the best of masculinity from all of time, a new day is beginning. This is the Renaissance of men. You are the Renaissance. This episode is entitled, It's Time to Boss Up. It's time for us as men of God and as men of our households to boss up. And what do I mean by that? Well, I want to start today off with the verse of the day. And the verse of the day comes out of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says, When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put childish things away. And so one thing that I want to paint the picture of really quick is that that word uh, man is the word, the Greek word, aner. And it's the same word that we have in 1 Corinthians uh, 16, 13, I believe. Um, in that verse, 1 Corinthians 16, 13, it says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, so act like aner, and be strong. Now, I've done a podcast on this particular verse before, this uh, 16, uh, 1 Corinthians 16, and I got a lot of pushback <laughs> because uh, we live in a very modern day. We live in a very politically correct day. We live in a day where everyone has a particular opinion and everyone's opinion is right and everyone's feelings are right and everyone's thoughts and, and virtues are right. But um, that being the case... I was trying to paint this picture that uh, Greek thought, as well as what Paul is trying to express here in this word, anner, and in this word, act like a man, put childish things away. It's, it's, it's the same word that's used for courage. And it's also the same word that's used in parallel to maturity, which is why Paul puts it here. When I was a child, I spake like a child. I thought as a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish things away. But when I became mature... I put childish things away. And so what Paul is trying to paint this picture of here is not that men are courageous and women are not, because that that uh, verse that we're talking about, the other verse, the first Corinthians uh, 16, what was it? First Corinthians 16, 13, that says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. This verse was something that Paul was communicating to the entire church, not just men. And so the, the come away is, is like, well, you know, why would he use a generalization to express a command for everyone? And the reason is, is what the old, what the Greeks, I should say, what the Greeks understood and what a lot of old thought understood was that there were things that made men men and there were things that made women women by their nature. There was a nature to them. There was a design to them. There was an intention, a telos is another word. And telos just means a, a, a in, an end, right? A, a, a reason for being. 
Okay. And that being the case, men were stronger physically, generally speaking, and they were able to endure hardship uh, physically, not necessarily childbirth, obviously, but they were they were stronger physically and were able to therefore take more risks when it comes to things like war and things of that nature. So men, by their phys- physical attributes, are more likely to be courageous. And I think you understand that. I think many of you guys that listen to the show understand that. But a lot of people that are either new to the show, and if you are new, welcome. Uh, I'm glad to have you here. And then there's some people just in the culture that don't understand or won't receive that men and women have these differences. So what am I saying all this for? Why am I painting this broad picture? Because what I'm trying to get you guys to understand, myself to understand, is that we're living in a time right now uh, well, we're going to have to boss up. <laughs> we're going to have to because we've got to be able to create and protect our homes. And the only way that we do that is that we we mature ourselves, that we allow this time to mature us. We can't go back into our mom's womb. We can't go back into safety and comfort and 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 no tension. That's not where we're at right now. Um, and I'm not suggesting that we become drill sergeants either. But what I am trying to suggest is that we be strong enough to endure, strong enough to go into the fire so that we can bring out peace, so that we can bring out goodness, so we can bring out truth. Hello, my name is Will Spencer, and you're listening to the Renaissance of Men podcast. Before I begin today, I'd just like to take a moment to say thank you. This podcast has grown so much faster than my wildest dreams. The positive feedback I'm receiving from men and increasingly women around the world is incredibly encouraging. In fact, just last week I crossed 10,000 downloads. Now, I don't know too much about podcast statistics, but that many downloads in just four months seems like a lot, especially considering I've only released 25 episodes total. So, in addition to all the supportive feedback, the numbers seem to suggest I'm doing something right but I wouldn't be here without you. Thank you. And as if all that good news isn't enough, basically I'm the luckiest guy in the world. You see, I've always been interested in spirituality and religion. I don't know why or where the interest came from, but I do remember being fascinated by the Ten Commandments, which was my Torah portion before my bar mitzvah at age 13. And I remember going on religious retreats at my Jesuit high school and being genuinely interested in the content while my fellow students only seemed to be there out of parental expectations. Of course, living in the Bay Area for 20 years exposed me to more spiritual and religious traditions, as did my four years of travel overseas. And recently, my journey through the realm of spirit has led me quite unexpectedly to Christianity. This is one of my favorite things to talk about, as anyone in a chat room with me lately knows. My other favorite subject is masculine personal development, The man I am today is the result of a 20-year project of finding out what it means to be a man for me and becoming him. That is my other favorite subject to talk about. So you can imagine my excitement when I met Jonathan West, host of the Being Husband podcast. He is also a Christian man, the son of a preacher with a degree in theology, and he hosts a popular podcast that helps men lead better lives and be better leaders in their homes, marriages, and communities based on biblical principles. Two spiritually facing Christian men dedicated to masculine personal development who talk about these subjects semi professionally? Are we best friends now? And in fact, I think you'll hear some of that in our conversation. 
This is another short episode, at least for me, but we covered a lot of ground. Among many other topics, Jonathan and I discussed the origins of the Being Husband podcast and a dream he had, how he maintains a strong and healthy marriage with his wife, and some advice for other men looking to get married to a woman who respects them. We talked about the nature of the social justice movement, its viral ideology, and what we can do about it. We discussed Jesus' nature as a man and how we don't often think of him that way. And finally, we talked about the impact of the Gnostic heresy on Christianity and why it might be the crime committed against masculinity within the Christian faith. One of the most exciting things about the Renaissance is the number of men who have walked such unique roads of life, but who are now finding their way together. This conversation between me and Jonathan is just one example of something that's probably happened in your life, and if not, I hope it happens soon. One last thing before we begin. You may notice that during this episode, it sounds like I'm speaking from inside a trash can. I can assure you I wasn't, at least not yet. I bought a new webcam, the Logitech Brio, which looks amazing but has an onboard mic that's not so hot. I didn't know I had to switch over from the webcam mic to my usual mic. I did the best I could with the audio, so I hope you don't mind pretending I'm sitting next to Oscar the Grouch for just one episode. Thanks so much, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce my next guest on the Renaissance of Men podcast. Jonathan West of Being Husband. Jonathan, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. I am excited, my man. This is going to be good. You're you're the uh, you're the honcho of the manosphere right now. So I'm excited to excited to be here. Oh, that's great. Well, I'm I'm happy to be the new guy in town in my own way. Um, I wanted to say congratulations because I was looking back over your podcast episodes and I saw that you just crossed two years of doing the being husband podcast. That's really incredible. Congratulations. Yeah, I I appreciate it, man. It's, it's a man. It's, it's a huge blessing to really be able to have been doing it as long as I have. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of guys that, that kind of get hyped up, you know, they, um, they get really passionate about it and, and maybe, uh, along the way, like lose some steam. And I, I, I don't want to act like I'm apart from that. I definitely had moments. And if you listen to the podcast, you'll, you'll hear it. There were moments where I was like, you know, I, I don't know if I'm making an impact because, you know, with podcasting, it's, uh, you may not get the feedback that you, that you want. And so you almost aren't sure if you're making the impact that you intended to. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to have folks reach out every now and then and just be like, Hey, I appreciate you. It's, it, I mean, it goes a long way. Cause it's, this is a, this is a um, a labor of love. <laughs> it, it takes a lot of work, um, and I don't think a lot of people understand that. Even though the episodes are you know thirty minutes or so, maybe an hour if I'm doing an interview, there was about you know two or three that went into that. So encouragement for you, man. Keep it going, you know, and just yeah. look for those little nuggets of uh, reasons to keep going. Oh, it's a, it's the same for me with the poetry podcasts. You know, like it's a twenty minute episode. And I think about six hours goes into researching and, you know, it sounds like it when you listen to the, po- the podcast, at least I hope it does. It sounds like that, that amount of time has gone into it. But if you're not you know, really paying close attention, you might miss the fact that a lot goes into this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's um, I guess with any good with any good art, that's the case. Right. You, you, it's it's kind of like it's a it's a part of you and you really want to do well with it. So it if it is a labor of love, it's going to take time. And, you know, I, I care about men and I care about men's issues. And, you know, I care, you know, as a Christian, I care about men's souls, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So um, it's a responsibility almost, you know what I mean? To, to do what we do. Um, I don't take it light, I guess. Now, how did you get into podcasting? Like, what, what was the journey that got you to the point to say, 
I've got something I want to say and I'm going to get a microphone and I'm going to record it and put it up on the internet for people to listen to. Like not all men take that step, but I think a lot of men today have a lot that they want to share. They just, they don't take the step for whatever reason or think that no one wants to hear them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, um, it was actually, I'd, I'd started a podcast a couple of months before being husband and that podcast was just, it was called Hume. And the gist of it was, me trying to articulate what I was learning because I was studying etymology at the time. And long story short, I got really interested in the the root word of human being tied to, you know, earthy, right. Mm. Being, you know, and being humble and what I, what I, yeah, it's crazy. So like Mm. when we say things like, man, that guy's really down to earth or he's a salt to the earth kind of guy, what we're saying is, is that he's humble and the root word, in Latin is humus and, and humus means like, you know, grounded or of the ground. And that has all these really, really rich implications because we know that the first man in the Bible was Adam, right? He was a man of the ground brought from the ground to work the ground. And so that particular line really resonated with me. Um, but it came across, I think it's maybe too heady, right? Too like mm-hmm. up here. And, and guys that, that were listening wanted something uh, more practical. I could kind of perceive that they weren't saying that my friends, but they, it, it, I could tell it was all right. Like, what do I do with that? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had a dream one night and I don't give a ton of stock to dreams necessarily, but I, I, I from time to time, I think that they do, they do say something, right? Whether or not it's, it's God or your subconscious. I mean, debatable, but, uh, I, I sat with it, uh, had a dream that it was like a focus group for the podcast, Hume, um, which in, in my mind was to be human was to be humble. Right. So that was kind of the angle I was going for, but I had this focus group and it was all guys and they were like, Hey, we like what you're doing, but I want to know what, how this works in relationship to women, how this works in relationship to my wife. And this was before I'd really gotten into the a lot of the information in the, the quote unquote manosphere. Mm-hmm. And um, I just kind of jumped right in. And it, the funny part was, is that two years before I'd had that dream, I wrote a note in my iPhone saying, Hey, you know, this is 2017 at this point. And it's like, Hey, start a podcast called being husband. And it's going to be a content site focused on news and information that husbands need to know. So like preparedness and all these different things. And I just sat on it for like two years. And like I said, had that dream after I did the, 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 the initial podcast and uh, kind of got nudged into bringing that idea to bear in the podcast. And uh, we've been, we've been rolling ever since, man. And, and that's, that's it. That's how it went. <laughs> Crazy story, but that's, that's how it went. So you were doing this podcast about word roots and etymology, which I think is a, is a fascinating subject that I know a little bit about from school. Mm-hmm. And then that wasn't, getting the traction that you wanted. And mm-hmm. so you had this, the men were telling you they wanted something more practical in their lives, like your friends and, and the listeners that you knew. And mm-hmm. so you were able to tie that into a dream you had had two years earlier mm-hmm. that about being, about being a husband. Yeah. And so that's incredible. <laughs> it was it's like a little nudge, you know? Yeah. Well, it was a nudge. And I think the work's important. You know how important the work is for, for men. I think because, you know, there's there's just a lot that uh, that maybe goes unsaid mm. when it comes to what we what we deal with, what we think about, what we care about, you know, what 
what God's calling is on our lives as well, which is um, is a is is a heavy weight, is is a burden, but it's it's a blessing too. And that's one of the things I really try to emphasize is, you know, the role of a husband is is daunting, but it's something that you were you were made for, mm-hmm. and something that you can step into and grow from, um, provided that you're um, careful you know, provided that you think thoughtfully about how you show up. So yeah, I, I felt like, I felt like I had to do it. The nudge, the nudge felt like I had to do it and, and who I wanted to be in my marriage is, it's kind of like a check for me, really. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the things that I think a lot of guys don't understand. They, they think that when I talk, I'm talking as though I've figured it out. <laughs> right. And the, the, the information I share is, is a check. It's a, it's, it's to say, all right, here's the, Here's what we're talking about this week. Now I'm going to take this into my week going in. Am I doing what I said that I was talking about doing <laughs> in the podcast? And so it's a, it creates positive feedback. I have to live in integrity now because I just said that. <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I can't be the guy that, you know, talks about, you know, um, romance and his wife. And then, you know, I'm Bart Simpson when she comes home. You know, I have to maintain that and, and think thoughtfully about what I've said and, and really integrate that into my life. So. It's uh, it's it's work that I'm doing and striving to do that I'm sharing, and I'm just I'm glad it's beneficial to anybody. That's I mean that's the best reason to do this work, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's something to iron sharpening iron, but there's also something to sharpening yourself. It's like mm-hmm. you know what I want to be a man who embodies, literally embodies certain values, and so in order to make sure that I hold myself accountable, I'm mm-hmm. going to speak myself into existence, and I'm going to put it out there to the entire mm-hmm. world and say this is what I'm about. And then that has this effect of coming back on us. Like, oh, well, I said it and it's out there in the public now. And, you know, you can't talk about, for example, romancing your wife on your podcast. And then she happens to listen to it. It's like, hey, what happened to this? <laughs> <laughs> She's a good, and she will check me. She's like, yeah. is, that, is that what you're about? I thought yeah. you said you were about this on the podcast. And it's, you know, that's that's one of the benefits too, I think about about being married is just the, um, you, you have, you have a focus group, you have a built in focus group, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, to kind of make sure again, that you're living in the integrity that you, you talk about and I'm not going front. Like that's, that's invaluable to me to be able to have somebody that is checking me, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And, and, and I don't want to say that in a way as though she's being nagging or as though she's being, um, intolerable, but she's a sounding board. And, and I can honestly say, you know, I would not be the man that I am without her. And I'm, I'm not really ashamed to say that. I know that that's, you know, that's a, that's a cuss word in the manosphere, but it's it, the fact of the matter is, is that she, um, she sharpens me in a, in a way. And it, my, my brother sharpened me as well. The word of God sharpens me. Uh, I sharpen myself. I mean, I am always trying to be better. And if there's anybody that's got an idea on how I might be able to do that. I take it with a grain of salt, you know, and I pray on it. And then I try to, I try to adjust best I can without, without um, becoming something that's not, not real, right. That's not an integrity. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have a lot of respect for the guys in the manosphere, you know, who's many of whose shoulders we're all standing on. You know, there are some, definitely some men that contributed to building that we'll call it structure that you and I were welcomed welcomed into and that changed us. It certainly changed me. 
Yeah. And the, so with all respect, and there are some things that I think the master gets wrong and, yes. or some distinctions that it doesn't quite make, because I would look to my wife to be, please help me be better and mm-hmm. challenge me when I need to be challenged. Mm-hmm. I don't think we need to go back to the whatever 1950s or 1850s or 1750s <laughs> silence woman yeah. <laughs> yeah. into your corner. It's like, yeah. no, no. yeah. the kind of relationship that I want with my wife is one where maybe she's not particularly trying to challenge me to get under my skin, you know, yes. not intentionally, but mm-hmm. who sees me and who loves me and knows that my self-improvement is important to me yes. and wants to help me in that regard without, you know, being a terrible person about it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And, and that's, that's what a good marriage I think should be is both people challenging each other in, in that way. And if that's not happening or if it's happening to a degree that it becomes disrespectful, then there's two questions. One is, is, you know, are you being, are you being someone that's easy to respect? And then two, if that's the case, if you are, then, then maybe, you know, you guys got to have a conversation about, you know, um, perhaps maybe, I mean, and I'm, I'm not a advocate for divorce, but, but there might be a selection issue there. Mm-hmm. If you're just, if you're tolerating disrespect and you're in, and, and you're showing up and you're doing all the, all the things, but she's still just um, intolerable to be around. I mean, I think that that's, that's something you really need to think about before you enter into a marriage. Or, and if you're already in one, then um, you guys might need to see somebody because that's mm-hmm. not, that's not something you can, you can stay with, or that's not an attitude you can stay with. Mm-hmm. So how long have you been married? Uh, we've been married. It'll be five years this year. I had to get it right. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Five years this year, but we've been together since high school. Oh, wow. Yeah. We've been together since we were, uh, juniors in high school, man. And, uh, was was that 17, 18, something like that? Wow. Yeah. So she's, she's seen it all and I've seen it all. (laughs) So, so her name is smoke show. Is that like her first and and middle name or is that just all her first name? Yeah, that's her, that's her, that's her pseudonym. (laughs) Her name is, her name is Leah. Uh, but I try to, I try to, you know, keep, keep a lot of that private. Um, cause I not, and I even told her, I said, you know, maybe one day we can both, you know, you can have a public account and we can do a whole marriage ministry type thing. But, you know, right now I think, you know, there's just so much animosity online. You know how it is. There's mm-hmm. just, there's people that, uh, that don't like, um, men talking about men's issues and, and wanting to become better. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I don't want her caught in that at all. So right. I, I, she will feature in pictures on my page every now and then. Um, but uh, I don't tag her in anything because I just, I don't, she doesn't need that smoke, man. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? She's just trying to do her thing and live her life. So, um, yeah, I, I keep her involved, but, but at a distance. Cause I, I don't, I don't, I don't want her to feel any kind of way, you know what I mean? Getting, I can, I can handle, you know, trolls. I, I don't right. necessarily know that she could. So. Right. Well, that's your, that's your protective side as a man coming out. It's like, I don't want you being exposed to this because you've gotten, you've gotten a taste of it. Like over two years of writing about these issues and speaking about these issues, you know, it comes back from time to time. It's ugly. Yeah. It's ugly. I mean, I've had, and it's funny because I talk about it um, very positively. I'm not, I'm Mm -hmm. not a, uh, you know, a guy that's, you know, spinning plates as a term or anything like that. I'm, I'm talking about a, 
monogamous, loving relationship based on, you know, some biblical principles. And you would not believe the people that don't like that. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, I mean, if you want to throw out, you know, how, how positive this is, I guess that's fine. But I think that, I think that we're reaching kind of a really weird place when it comes to how angry we get with people trying to um, build lives that are, that are positive, build lives that are good, build lives that are uplifting. Um, it, it's, I, I guess my thing is with it, Will, and I was talking with somebody about it today, I just don't know how we got to this place. And I'm going to ask you this. How did we get to a place where we've gone from live and let live, right, was a thing that we used to say. And now it's like, you got to agree with what I do. And if you don't agree with what I do, then you're the enemy. You're the evil one. How do we how do we get there? I mean, I, I think um, the answer that's coming up for me is that this note, these notions of Marxism, the, a lot of the political notions that are uh, spreading across the world and through the United States are rooted are rooted directly in, in Marxism. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the unique features of this particular worldview is that it tends to have this viral quality mm -hmm. in the sense that once the worldview takes hold and there are actually there are actually biblical reasons for that i've mm -hmm. that is my is my feeling because i think what it does is all of us uh oh this is great you and i can have this conversation because we have this shared language mm -hmm. so all of us carry around within our hearts this feeling of guilt and shame from yes. simply existing you know and, right. and from a christian perspective that would be rooted towards the fall the eating of the apple in the garden right and we all carry it and it's, it's just part of being human. It was the first emotion felt was shame, right? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So I think what's going on with Marxism and the way that it impacts people is that it exploits this hack that exists in the back of our minds that says you feel ashamed and it's, you feel ashamed because you know that you're privileged. It's like, Oh, mm -hmm. is that why I feel this shame? Mm -hmm. And so what it does is it inwardly weakens people and it corrupts them. And then what it tries to do is spread. It's like, I feel this, you feel this, you have to be ashamed. And so then it can't be challenged because it's so deeply primal in the, wow. in the self. That's my take on it of how we got here. And it just spread like wildfire over the past seven years. It's that because so many people carry so much guilt and shame today. Mm. Do you think that, mm. I've never heard it articulated that way. So do you, let me ask you this then. Do you think that um, there is a, there is a way to, I mean, obviously we know a way, right. Mm -hmm. To relieve someone of shame. Mm -hmm. Right. But do you, do you think that there is a way that people can look at something noble or something honorable, something to be proud of perhaps um, in addition to, um, saving faith in Christ. Do you think that it's saving faith in Christ obviously is the supreme thing, but do you think that showing elements of positive masculinity, showing uh, evidence of positive femininity and positive family units, do you think that that's maybe a beacon in some way to kind of relieve people of the, the shame that they might be feeling? I think so. I think that can provide a model for someone to move towards, but I, I think, I don't know. I don't know how to answer this question. Well, okay. I do. There's a different answer for men and women. The yes. answer for men, for me, is getting in shape. If you mm -hmm. worship at the Temple of Iron, obviously not more than you worship at church. But, <laughs> <you're> saying, yeah. <laughs> but if, if you get yourself in physical shape, one of the things, which is something that I did over the past year, one of the mm -hmm. things that I found was 
all the shame left me. You know, it's like I didn't have I, I had it kind of stores up in the body. And to actually like, yeah, and to actually eliminate it from the body is like, oh, wow, I feel good in my physical being again. Yeah. And, yeah. and lifting heavy weights for men is a good way to do that. Completely agree with that. I mean, I think uh, one of the funny things about being in the uh, being in the Chattistan circle is the, the meme of the incline bench. Right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I love it because I, because what it is, is it's uh, it's kind of harkening back a little bit to that Jordan. Peterson kind of idea where, you know, kind of having your chest out. Right. And then Kevin Hart kind of gets into this too. He's like, you know, say it with your chest. Right. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it is, but the, the chest and, and CS Lewis talks about it in abolition of man, there is something to a man's chest, whether it's physically or spiritually that, that he can stand erect and stand proud and, and unencumbered and, and not really worried about how you, how you feel about him uh, because he's, again, he's living in integrity. He, he knows who he is and, he knows how heavy it was. He knows how heavy the weight was that he had to bear. Mm-hmm. And because of that, he's not afraid. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He's no longer afraid of, of himself and, and he's not afraid of anybody else because he's dealt with, he's dealt with the weight. And so he, he can take it. And that's, that is powerful. I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, I can, I can attest to that. that going to the, the temple of iron definitely changed the, the, uh, the way that I, showed up in, in every aspect of my life, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still got to go. I still got to get in there. I, I, I missed it today. <laughs> it's a daily practice, right? It is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when men, I think integrity begins with the body. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is this is where this, you know, in this Chattistan uh, group, I'll post a link to the Alexander Cortez Inner Circle, which is how we all met. You can begin your introduction to Chattistan. <laughs> um, but there's this, phrase that goes around in this world, which is a post physique. It's like, if you want to post physique, (laughs) if you want to, you know, make your point, if you want to make a contrary point about something, be prepared for someone to say, okay, post a, post a picture of yourself topless. Let's see what you look like. Right. Don't hide behind the anonymity. The reason why post physique works is because I need to get a sense of your level of integrity as a man. And if you can't care for your body, I don't think that you have integrity. I don't know that you deserve to be speaking on the things that you're speaking about, about masculinity. And that's why that works. Mm-hmm. And it, it would seem odd, but I, I mean, we were all learning this, maybe some of us the hard way, some of us the easy way. Like, no, how I treat my body is absolutely foundational to how I treat the world. Oh, yeah. I, I, it's funny, man, because people would hear that and they think it's like a superficial claim, but it's got, it's got some, yeah, it's got legs to it. Mm-hmm. In a major way, I, I laughed the first time I've, as I've kind of dabbled, dabbled in this world, <clears throat> and really only in the past since COVID, the mm-hmm. the, the post physique, or you know, what I'm saying the whole like make sure you're getting your your sun and sun your balls and that whole deal. When it's the 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 culture around it is uh, if you if you don't get it, it's very off putting. Right. Okay. If you if you embrace it and you and you and you really try to dig into what's being said, you're again post physique, like you pointed out, is are you again, are you living in integrity? Are you a guy that takes care of business? Are you a guy that's disciplined? Um, are you someone that we can trust? Um, I like it, man. I think it's funny. I, I, it's 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 funny and it's both a check because mm-hmm. I've not had I've not had men, I think, in my in my life that have been uh, as 
as intentional about making sure that we're sharpening each other. So the, the post physique stuff is funny. Yeah, that, you better be quiet if you're not ready. That's right. Yeah. So you're going to get that card played on you. You can step out. You can state your case, you know, but, but just I need to state that where it actually goes wrong is just because someone is in shape doesn't necessarily mean that they're right either. Like being, being out of shape makes you wrong, but being in shape doesn't necessarily make you right. That's it. That's it. And that's why we have to, you know, that gives you the right to speak. And then once you do, then you, you know, if, if it's trash, then we'll just, we'll throw it away. You know what I mean? And then you need to go read some books and, and figure out your, your soul a little bit. <laughs> so like, like me, it sounds like you also didn't have a lot of men in your life who are interested in improving themselves as men. And this is kind of a path that maybe you've been walking alone or that you felt called to walk and that maybe no one came with you. Like what was, how did that show up in your life? That's interesting that you said that, man. Um, yeah. So my, my, my father, my father is the guy that I've been trying to be. My dad's a strong man. He's a pastor. Um, and, and he raised me and, and my sister, um, stayed married to my, is still married to my mom. Um, so great influence there. <clears throat> but I think a large part of my upbringing. I think in high school, I had a really strong brotherhood. We were always kind of in the gym. That's when I first got exposed to lifting weights and things like that was, was in high school. And so I had a really strong brotherhood there. But um, when I got into college, I, I had a strong-ish brotherhood, but they weren't necessarily on the same path in terms of improving and things like that. And so I kind of lost my way a little bit in college, not, not in a way that I was you know, misbehaving or getting anything anything crazy. I've always kind of been a, you know, I'm a, I'm a preacher's kid. So I've been like, you know, a good kid, but like a bad kid on the low. Right. But never so much where it was like <laughs> everyone knew what was going on. Just enough mm-hmm. to, just enough to kind of dabble, you know? Yep. Um, and uh, anyways, yeah, I, I didn't have any guys that, that I think were really trying to improve. And then post-college, nothing. I mean, yeah. and I, it wasn't until I met my two buddies that were actually used to feature on my podcast, Kevin and Tyler, that um, I really kind of had some people that could check me uh, in, in some different ways. But it's, it's hard to find a group of men that are all trying to improve physically, you know, fiscally uh, and spiritually. You, mm-hmm. you, you tend to, at least for me, I tend to find friends that are doing one or maybe two of the three, mm-hmm. but it's, it is tough to find a guy that is trying to do all three in his life. And I don't know why that is. Cause what I find is I've got my, my guys that are really committed spiritually, right? Those mm-hmm. are my, my church buddies, but they have a hard time with the physical. They're not really, you know, that's not important. And we're going to get into this today. Um, mm-hmm. That's not really important. You know, we need to be focusing on this. And I, I'm like, I, I feel you. Like I understand we need to be studying the word and we need to understand the implications of our faith. I, I get that. Um, but I don't think we should be poor stewards of our body because of that. Like, I think we need to get better at managing our time so that we can do both. And then, you know, the financial piece, we need to be doing that as well. Um, I don't think, I don't think you have to pick. And I think what we're kind of in a situation right now is that you've got church boys, you got your CEO financial gurus, and then you've got your post physique guys as though those people aren't as though each category doesn't serve the other as though they don't matter to each other. And I think that that in itself is living kind of out of 
an integral space or an integrity space, because all of that's important when you're a man for one, but especially when you're married. I mean, all of those things matter. None of them can be neglected when you get married. And if you think that if you think that they they can be neglected, I, you know, I, I wouldn't encourage you to try it, but you can try it if you want to and see how it works out, because your wife is going to be concerned with your physical health. She's going to be concerned with whether or not you're able to manage uh, the finances. She's going to be concerned with, are you a good man morally? Do you know the Lord? Are you, you know, are you somebody that's trustworthy? All of those things matter. And the idea that one of them matters, perhaps there are, perhaps there's a hierarchy between the three, but to say that it's only that the only the one, like perhaps uh, being morally good is the only thing that matters is just incorrect. I mean, it's just, it, it's, it comes from a place of probably somebody that doesn't have experience um, in marriage and, and maybe in relationships in general. I feel like we're used to the thinking about these things, finances, physicality, and spirit as three separate things. And I think part of that is probably due to poor education. I don't mean education in school. I mean, wherever we get educated that is not school, whether that be from our culture, whether that be from our family, whether it be from the men in our, in our lives, whether it be from our church or wherever we get information from, that really all these things are, are one thing. There's no being, there's no being spiritual, you know, without being in some form of shape because you're dishonoring your body temple. Yes. And, you know, in the same way, there's no, there's no being spiritual if you're ignoring your duties at work and perhaps not achieving, you know, for your family as well. All these things are not separate things. And I think, you know, when men begin to make the transition from say young adulthood or high school into adulthood, no one tells them. Um, hey, no, it only gets more difficult from here and more rewarding. I think a lot of men are used to thinking of things in terms of, oh, wait, I'm done being in high school now. I've got the degree and I've got the job. I get to take my foot off the gas. Like, yeah. no, I don't think so. No, <laughs> you probably should turn it up. I mean, really, because there's there's now there's people depending on you. Mm-hmm. Now there's, there's a woman that's uh, looking to you for, uh, a degree of guidance and not in a way that she's incapable, but in a way that she wants to be checked as well. And she wants to be led. And the idea that you can, once you get married, that you can let your foot off the gas. It's like, I mean, if you're bringing kids into the world, good luck, let your foot off the gas. Cause now you're raising up the next generation. Right. And so you're, you're setting a precedent now of foot being off the gas is life. Mm-hmm. Right. You not being in check in different areas is life. And, you know, fathers and husbands should be um, aspirational. Tanner Guzzi does a lot of good information on this. I love what he does with his his uh, his IG. He's, he's, he's got a telegram group, in fact, called uh, Aspirational Fatherhood, which I think is really cool. And mm-hmm. he's basically trying to make a statement saying that, you know, Kids should want to be like their dad or their, you know, boys especially, but, and, and, and daughters should want a, a man like their dad. And, you know, I think if we're not doing that, then that, then that leaves a, a hole for, you know, the market or society or them or the power, you know, the powers that be, whoever you want to say to set the precedent on, this is what you're supposed to like. This is what you're supposed to aspire to be. And 
you can't carry on a family legacy and a family culture that way. If you've got other people defining what that is, what, what it is to be a man, what it is to be a woman, what it is to be human, you have to define that in your own household and in your own way. That it was fascinating. I've got a friend that's Nigerian um, and he's uh, <clears throat> in Nigeria, they have various tribes and he's Igbo. And he was telling me that in those certain tribes, there are, each tribe does something different or is known for something different, right? Igbo people may do this, but another you know, tribe there wouldn't do this. And there's something, there's something really important there because we see this in scripture too, when we see the different uh, tribes of Judah, right? You've got the Levites and the Levites are the priests. Oh, sorry, not the tribes of Judah, but the tribes of Israel. And in that tribe of Israel, you've got, like I said, the 12 and one of them being the Levites, which are the priests. And then the other ones being uh, the line of the line of Judah. And those are the governing bodies. And the, and I guess the point that I'm trying to draw with that is that when you're a father, when you're a patriarch, that's kind of a cuss word, but <laughs> you, you, you set the tone for the direction of the household. Um, you know, being an etymology nerd again, like the word father is, you know, Latin pattern. It's where we get the word pattern from. It's where the Greeks call the pattern familias. And so there's a, there's a path again, going back to another PAT word that you lay out, or you should be laying out for your kids. And really that you do lay out whether or not you, you could do that positively or negatively, but you will lay out a pattern. It's just integral to the role. And so I think being intentional about that is uh important <laughs> to say the least you know hi everyone i hope you're enjoying the podcast with jonathan west once again thank you all so much for the growth you've generated in this podcast to help continue that trend any engagement you can offer would be great for example you can leave a five-star rating on apple podcasts or leave a written review or even share this podcast with a friend, family member, or loved one you think might benefit from the spirit we're trying to cultivate. Anything and everything you can do to help push this along makes a big difference. Also, please don't forget to follow me on social media. I have the most fun on Instagram, at Men. that's R-E-N-O-F-M-E-N, like Renaissance of Men, but shorter Ren of Men. And occasionally I'll go on Twitter and rattle off some entertaining and opinionated posts. But I haven't gotten banned by Jack just yet, so maybe I'm not trying hard enough. You can also find my website at renofmen.com and learn about my coaching and community options, which you'll be hearing more about very soon. That's all for now. Thanks so much. And let's get back to the conversation with Jonathan West of Being Husband. Well, it's vital. You have to, you have to put these things together for yourself. I mean, that's the job. Is, that's, that's the unique job of a man at this particular moment in history. And maybe, maybe for the few years leading up to this is a lot of men have woken up to the fact that I've got no idea how to be a man mm-hmm. and something in me is telling me that I have to learn how to do this. So I'm better figure it, figure it out pretty quick. And yeah. that's what's been going on. And now all the men that are working to figure that out amongst themselves are now talking and realizing the same, the same thing. And so we're getting into this virtuous cycle as you know i talk to you and you talk to someone else and someone else talks to them and and suddenly we're beginning to cobble together all this information about masculinity to create this renaissance which is the way which is the way that i see it like that's it living through us as we recognize 
we weren't given this. So we have to rediscover it and recreate it and renew it in ourselves. Mm. Right on. I love that. How did this happen? <laughs> like, it, it, for, for, by your estimation, how did the Renaissance happen? Like, was it, was it COVID alone? Was it watching the people that run the world show themselves to be incompetent? What was it you think that really spurred this? Because I, I would say that it's probably been bubbling for maybe the past like three or four years. Mm-hmm. And then just 2020 was just like, you know what I'm saying? Like all this new talent on, on Instagram, all these new podcasts. And there was just a, it's just like a groundswell of men just saying, you know, I'm not going to accept, I'm not going to accept domination. <laughs> it's right. really what it sounds like and feels like. Um, I'm going to lead myself and I'm going to lead the ones that I love in truth. Mm-hmm. And I mean, to me, that's what it sounds like. Or to me, when I'm looking at it, that's, how I see it playing out was that 2020 was just kind of the year where there was so much disrespect and just really just, I can't even find the words, but it just, it seemed dehumanizing and demoralizing much of what happened in 2020, whether it was, you know, now you don't have to wear a mask. Now you have to wear a mask. Well, now you don't have to wear a mask, but now you have to wear two or three masks. And maybe this PCR test works, but maybe it doesn't. Or, you know, you can't go see your family. Um, you know, it's not important that you feel lonely and isolated. It's not Im- all these different things where it was just people making the path for you. And you, were, you weren't given an option to really really think for yourself. And I think that that became frustrating. It became frustrating for me. And it's, I would imagine for any man, cause I think that man's kind of inclination is towards, you know, being, a, being sovereign to some degree, being free. And this year was not that 2020 was not that 2020 was um, shut up and do what you're told. And that stung a lot of us. Um, And it didn't matter what political persuasion you were. It didn't matter what religious persuasion you were. If you were a man that felt as though he, he was put here to lead something to, you know, push the needle forward and, and be the master of his own life, you know, and, and from, you know, my perspective as a Christian, the, the master of my life here, but ultimately serving the, you know, the Lord in that, if you were a man that that felt that way, and to hear that, you, you couldn't you couldn't sit, you couldn't sit by and not say anything, you couldn't sit by and not do anything. Um, but as you pointed out, there was a problem because it's like, all right, I feel this. I don't have any tools. I don't have a framework on how this is supposed to work because men aren't supposed to lead. Men aren't supposed to. Um, create structure in their life. Men aren't supposed to band together, right? You're supposed to just figure this stuff out on your own. And gosh, I mean, what a, <laughs> what a doozy, you know what I'm saying? What a perfect storm yeah. in a lot of ways. And I'm just, um, anyways, man, I'm, I'm talking a lot, but no, I'm, I'm right there with you. You know what I'm saying? Um, 
So yeah, anyway, that's my estimation of it. <laughs> what yeah. was your estimation of it? <laughs> well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little bit of hope now. The renaissance of men hasn't just been going on for three or four years. It's been going on for 40 years. Mm. It started in the 1980s with um, the mythopoetic men's movement in this book by Iron, uh, called Iron John by Robert Bly, okay. uh, which started as a series of essays uh, written in the 80s, and it was published as a singular book in the early 90s. And then there was another book published in the early 90s by Warren Farrell called The Myth of Male Power, which is a scientific analysis of, uh, of whether uh, feminism's arguments hold up, which they don't. And he got in a lot of trouble for writing this book. And then there's another book called Fire in the Belly by this man, Sam Keen. And that was also written in the early 90s. So that's the myth of poetic men's movement that sought out of a reaction to feminism's overreaches to kind of say like, okay, hold on, maybe men are more than we've been told and men that maybe more than we're being called that we are. So let's rediscover some sort of notion of, of earthy masculinity is what I would call it. Mm -hmm. So that started in the nineties and then it transitioned. Um, I don't know what actually became of that movement. I know that it was heavily attacked in the media because I, I went, went back and have found some articles in the New York times. They went after it. They went after it. Wow. Uh, yeah. But then what, what happened is in the, in the late 90s and early 2000s, you started developing uh, what was called the pickup community. So I don't right. know if you're, yeah, like yeah. Uh, Mystery and those guys. Mystery Method, yeah. 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 So that was happening in the early 90s. That was also men rediscovering masculinity because they were discovering that what feminism had told them about, you know, getting laid essentially also mm -hmm. wasn't true. And so the guys, Mystery and, and Neil Strauss and all the guys from that community, they started uh, coming together with the growth of the internet and social media, and they formed the Red Pill subreddit. And yeah. that was where they started comparing all this information, like, well, wait a minute, if all this stuff that feminism has said is true, <laughs> then why is this working so well? We can just do all this. Right, so right, that, right. Gen that generated the Red Pill which is like Rollo Tomasi and all of those guys that generated. So this is now we're getting into the mid two thousands. And then finally you start getting into the late, into the 2010s. That's where you start getting the personal development and the fitness aspect. So we're, what you and I are on right now, this is the leading edge of a 40 year long movement that yeah. is now just bursting into the mainstream. Because like you say, with 2020, they brought the hammer down and a whole bunch of guys are like, Oh, hell no. <laughs> we were ready for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you do do a great job at actually pinpointing a lot of those moments. Thank you for doing that because, yeah, no, I, I completely, I would completely agree with that estimation. I guess when I was saying three or four years, I mean, I guess I was really speaking from experience, but I really mm -hmm. wasn't speaking historically. But I think you you bring up a great point in in that. What do you think? Because this is something that I wanted to talk with you about. This is mm -hmm. the, I was glad you were having me on. So. Church guys, okay, mm -hmm. Christian men. Yeah, there isn't a lot of work around being a like you say, earthy masculinity meets Christian moral man. There seems to be it's either or, and it goes back to the kind of disintegration we were talking about before. You're either a, a guy that lifts weights or you're a guy that reads scripture, but you're never both, right? Which is it's just crazy. Why would you not? You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So we're, we're like, I've got my thoughts on the disconnect, but we were going to talk a little bit about Gnosticism and its effect mm -hmm. on that. So you, you do, and I'm asking you because you do a really good job at pinpointing historical moments. 
because I've got I've got an estimation, but I like that you laid it out historically, and I think that's a better way to to position it. Do you have maybe an analysis you would say historically on okay, this is kind of where maybe the the dissection of earthy masculinity and Christian uh, mm. church boyism kind of happened? Do you, do you have something along those lines or a thought maybe? I know I can't actually, it's funny that you asked because I, I did a, a conversation with um, Ben Howes of Oaks and Oaths podcast, and that'll be coming out this week where I, you know, cause he's a pagan. He was born a Christian. Uh, I think he said he was a Southern Baptist and then he became more uh, Pentecostal, charismatic Pentecostal, I think is yeah. the where, he, and that's the tradition that I come from um, okay. to the extent yeah. that I can say that I come from a tradition, but he's become a, a pagan. And I think the appeal of paganism is that it roots men to their bodies and to the land. And those teachings don't exist as far as I can tell in Christianity. Mm-hmm. And my, what I said in the podcast was that um, I can look at that and I see that a crime has been committed against Christianity mm-hmm. and I can't say where or when or by whom, but yeah. this idea that it just took away men's ability to be men in the faith, you know, I don't know that that's something that Jesus would have wanted. So it's either, or, or that anything that he was about, because he was a, pretty awesome guy. I mean, you read yeah. the scripture for yourself and you see flipping over the tables and, you know, dunking on the Pharisees and, you know, like yeah. standing up for himself and getting angry. Like what's wrong with you people? Like, come yeah. on. Yeah. You know, and seeing that for myself. So I think it's it, part of it is doctrinal. Like they're not teaching that, yes. but I think there's also been something that's been taken out of the Bible as well, potentially. Yeah. I, I think that's a, that's an interesting point. I, I'd never thought about uh, that something might've been taken out of the actual text. I don't, I'd only thought in terms of maybe application um, because when I, when I look at like the old Testament, there is, there is a lot of, um, I would say there is a lot of connection with, you know, man and the land. Even when we think about the, a lot of the Levitical law being like, you know, don't treat animals poorly, like don't do certain things to the soil at certain times of the year. So that, I, I think that it's there. And it's funny because like old Testament Jews, as they were writing it, um, you know, Moses and, and some of the other, some of the other prophets, they would have had a really uh, shoulder to shoulder relationship with like pagans. Right. But it would have been a different, perhaps a different pagan than um, what Oaks and Oats might be dealing with. But, but again, they, they were in close relationship with those people. I think the disconnect maybe happened uh, a lot in the new Testament because there's a lot of writing on the flesh Paul writes and talks a lot about the flesh in that, but his understanding of the flesh is not what we really took away from it. His understanding of the flesh was a debasement of creation or using creation in a way that it wasn't intended to be used. Um, Sexual desire, Mm -hmm. not placing that toward your wife or ambition and placing that in, you know, the things of the world and accumulating, you know, hordes of wealth as opposed to, you know, perhaps a, a holy ambition, one that benefits all, you know, it seems to me that it happened in the New Testament. And there was a lot of Gnostic heresy that was going on during that time. And those, you know, any ideas like you were mentioning earlier, Marxism, those ideas don't go anywhere. You know, they just, they hang out and they influence the way that people read scripture and they influence the way that scripture is taught. So I guess you could kind of call like the work that I'm trying to do is really trying to synthesize like you said, this very earthy, primal masculinity and tying that into what I believe God has created us to be. Mm -hmm. Um, 
that, you know, there's a really good book I haven't read yet, but one of my buddies said that I need to, um, it's called why men are leaving church. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, one of the things of the, the book, kind of the, the thesis of the book is, you know, you don't, you shouldn't have to go to church and like, you know, hand the usher your, your ball sack, right. You should be able to be, you know what I'm saying? A, 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 a man and, and be able to worship. So yeah, I imagine I got a long way to go with that because I think that there's a lot, I mean, and frankly, Will, there's a lot of guys that I know that are Christian men that I'm, you know, acquaintances with or decent friends with that don't like the work that I'm doing. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Because I talk about lifting weights. Like I don't, I talk about prayer and I talk about, you know, fast and I talk about spiritual things, but I don't just talk about spiritual things. I talk about the practical. I talk about, you know, money management. I talk about building and maintaining attraction with your wife. Like I, I talk, I get into the areas that are taboo perhaps and areas that, that um, Christian men think Christian men shouldn't be thinking about, but what? it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Dude, when I tell you, when I tell you there are guys that have come at me and said, you need to be focusing on being a servant leader. And that's the only thing you need to be focused on. And it's like, Dude, like I I get what y'all are saying, but that's a good you, that's a non-negotiable, right? Mm-hmm. Like husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. Non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. But we have the Song of Solomon as well. Mm-hmm. That's right. We have that book in the Bible. Yeah. And that book in the Bible is lust poetry. Mm-hmm. Right? And I hate to use that word cuz it it conjures up all kinds of negative, but you get what, what I'm what saying. Is. It's yeah. a guy, it's a guy that is desiring physically his wife. And then you got some guys that are over there saying, no, it's just a spiritual book about Christ in the church. It's like, dude, Come on. He's talking about boobs. He's talking <laughs> about breasts in yes. the book, my man. Yeah. yeah. How are you going to spiritualize that? <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. And I think that, that, that we have over-spiritualized so many things, not to say that there isn't a spiritual element to sex because there is, mm-hmm. but it's, it is an embodied experience. So, yeah, I, like I said, I'm going to keep doing it because I know that it's I know that it's necessary to push, I think, the conversation forward to get us back connected, because the reality is um, Jesus resurrected himself in a body. Right. Mm-hmm. Jesus was a man. Mm-hmm. Right. Jesus had a penis. You know what I'm saying? And he didn't use it. He didn't get anybody <laughs> pregnant with it. Yeah. But, but but I think but I'm saying that kind of tongue in cheek and funny. But we have to really think about that. Like That's Jesus true. was a physical man yeah. and he rose in a physical body and ascended into heaven in a physical body. And that to me, based on scripture and even going back to Genesis, God honors the body. God doesn't have any problems with your body. He has issues perhaps in how you use it because of sin and, and you're, it's misdirected and it's not in alignment with his creation. Um, you know, from time to time when you're looking at porn or whatever the case is, but God made it and said that it was good. So the idea that I wouldn't focus my attention on my wife's body and, and how to you know interact with her in a, in, a, in a masculine way that gets her to respond in a feminine way, the idea that that's, you know, taboo or not something that I should be doing to me, speaks to the fact that that Gnostic heresy is very much alive and well, and perhaps is maybe inseparable in some ways from modern Christian theology. I, I mean, maybe you can parse it out, but um, it's ingrained. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. 
there's, like I said, man, very, very upset men about my podcast. Very upset men about my podcast. Friends of mine. Again, and I, and I studied, you know, theology in school. So a lot of those guys were in, with me in those classes. Wow. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's weird. It's real yeah. weird. Well, for, for the men listening who uh, don't know what the Gnostic heresy is, let me, let me share what my understanding of it is, is and maybe yes. you can share yours. So my understanding of the Gnostic heresy is that the Bible tells the story of God essentially being this great imprisoner of humanity, that God built matter essentially and imprisoned humanity in matter. And Lucifer, who's portrayed as the bad guy in the Bible, is actually the good guy and is coming to provide knowledge to liberate us from the prison of matter. That's my understanding of the Gnostic heresy. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Now, I, I think I think the only distinction because you would most about Christians would not say that and mm-hmm. they wouldn't say that Satan is coming to liberate them. Um, they would they would say I think they would go along more along the lines of uh, the emphasis on the flesh. Right. That the flesh is bad. Right. That my body is is bad. And, and if I and if I uh, align myself spiritually with with the Lord or whatever, that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, I think the Gnostic heresy, to your point, is definitely historically accurate. I don't know that it's applied in the same way, but I think they think along the same lines. The body is bad and that the spirit is the only thing that matters. Mm-hmm. I, I, th- I think your historical point is I think what I'm saying is the implications of that thought, maybe, even mm-hmm. though if they, even if they don't articulate it in that way, mm-hmm. is that the body is bad or somehow uh, un- unnecessary. Mm-hmm. So you're putting some pieces together for me now, because that was always, that was some of the problems that I've had with, for example, Buddhism. Uh, mm-hmm. Buddhism is very uh, self-negating. It says, oh, life is all just an illusion. And the harder you meditate, you will liberate yourself from this prison of samsara, deception, mm-hmm. illusion, life is suffering, and you'll you'll go into nirvana and you'll essentially cease existing as a separate being. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the thing with that idea is that gosh, my consciousness sure is, sure is pesky. It sure does seem like it's real, you know? And, you know, I, to that point, I went on a, a 10 day Buddhist meditation retreat in, uh, in, in Kashmir in, um, in 2019, it was, uh, 10 hours of meditation a day for 10 days and, uh, get up at four o'clock in the morning and meditate for two hours. And then you have breakfast in silence. And then you meditate for another 90 minutes. And it's, it's a pretty intensive pretty intensive thing. And, uh, you know, I got, I got pretty far with it. You know, I got all the way down to the point where all that was left of my consciousness was just this little tiny crystal fragment and this giant wall of fire it was a pretty cool experience. Wow. But, but this idea that I, this idea that somehow my own consciousness could surrender itself, you know, it's a, a, a we're getting to the point where we're getting pretty abstract, but this idea yeah. is like, but okay, if that's all that's left of me, there's still something of me left. I'm still right. real. And this experience is real. And I can spend my life trying to run away from it, or I can, I can treat it with respect and keep it in the, a larger spiritual context. Yes. And that's what I think it's lost is like, you can love your wife. You can love your wife's body. You can enjoy food. You can also, and you can enjoy earning money and you can enjoy all the, all the material pleasures and sensations, but yes. don't lose yourself in it. Yes. That's, that's, that's being truly spiritually facing is to yeah. enjoy the things, but recognize that they're ultimately secondary, but that doesn't mean they're meaningless, which I think people take way too far. And so that sounds like in Christianity, like it might be tied to the Gnostic heresy, which is really interesting. I think so. I, I, I would say that the, 
the section of the Bible that really helped drive this home and help me understand was the wisdom literature, all mm-hmm. the wisdom literature. It was, I mean, that was a fundamental shift. Once I, once I began reading Proverbs in, in college or sorry, high school, and then I read Ecclesiastes and then I read Job and I, mm. oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean, Job. It, yeah, man, because like life hurts sometimes, you know what I'm saying? This body goes through things, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that I should try to escape it. And that's kind of what I get from the Gnostic heresy is uh, escapism. Mm-hmm. And that, that in and of itself does not seem masculine at all. Mm-hmm. That's that seems, and I don't want to. I don't even want to say it seems feminine. It just seems. It seems weak. It seems uh, fearful. It seems timid to run from that. To me, the wisdom literature is uh, God's word grounded in 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 reality. It's not. It's not airy fairy. And I think all of this. I think all the scripture. If you really sat with it, is that way. I think that we've just applied it in a way that's perhaps more theoretical than than fundamental or objective. Which let me say this, I think actually leads to the emphasis we put on the heart and the heart does matter, but Christianity is not just a heart religion because if it were, then that would mean that Jesus is the eternal nice guy. He's the eternal Mr. Rogers at that point. Right. So he's just some nice guy that did some nice thing for my heart some years ago as opposed to the claims that he makes, which is that he's Lord, which mm-hmm. that means that, that his name has weight in some regard. And there's some objective reality in his being. So his dying for you will never be in vain. You're going to, you're going to either accept that and embrace that or you, or you won't. But I guess the point that I'm trying to drive home without getting, you know, not preaching a sermon or anything like that. Please is, preach. that if if we just go with god as though it was just a salvation as though it's just a spiritual experience that it has no implications in the body that is not an embodied reality then i as a non-believer can say oh that happened in your heart but that didn't happen in my heart and so then right there you have seeds of kind of like uh relativist kind of thought, right? That there's no objective really reality. That's just a thing that you were raised with. That's just a you know thing that happened in your heart, your own personal experience. And I think that's what we did was we emphasized personal experience. But but the Christian faith in Revelation is rooted in a in a reality. Jesus mm-hmm. is going to come back objectively. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there's that's all right. this cataclysmic stuff that's supposed to happen. So you, you really almost lose the teeth, I would say, of the gospel when it's not grounded in some kind of objective reality, when it's not grounded in um, Jesus as being Lord, right? Mm-hmm. That has implications in reality. It's not just a, a fuzzy feeling in your heart or in your belly. That's you, you like, yo, like you upset the, the creator of the universe, and the only thing standing between you and his wrath is his son, mm-hmm. right? And if you don't have that, there are actual implications. That changes, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You, you kind of feel a little bit different about Jesus. He's not just a nice guy, Mr. Rogers. He is the creator of the universe bearing your consequence mm-hmm. and inviting you into relationship with him. 
And if you choose not to, that has implications. And if you choose to, that has implications. It's a different God, I would say, that than, than maybe what we know and understand about Jesus or what we at least talk about. Yeah, that's it's definitely a very powerful thing to realize that Jesus is the one standing in the way of the wrath of, of God's wrath. And that's a really touchy subject for some people yes. to hear that, right? It's, it's a really, and because a lot of people grow up with this fire and brimstone, anger, you know, angry father kind of thing. And it, it really wounds a lot of people to hear, to hear language like that. And so, you know, I always make sure to emphasize it's not that God's like personally angry at you. You know right. what I mean? It's not like, God, it's not like dad's got the belt or anything like that. You know? <laughs> right. It's, it's being, it's being, these are the consequences of your actions and your choices. That's the function of justice is that justice. you, you sin, we all sin, you know, mm-hmm. and justice is the consequences of our actions coming back to us. And that has, a, that can have eternal consequences. The other hand of justice is mercy. Yes. Mercy is what spares us from the direct consequences of our actions of sin. And that's Jesus Christ's function is to be merciful to us. So you have the just father and the merciful son. And that is, that's the dynamic that we surrender ourselves to. It's a beautiful place to be. It is. And I think what, so, and I'll just say this and then I'll finish that thought. What our, what our issue is that we try to pick one again, Right. We either we yeah. either it's just the mercy and the grace. And that that means I can kind of live how I want to live or, you know, I don't have to be subject to anything higher or it's just the fire and brimstone. And you live in fear mm-hmm. your whole life. There were, I mean, the, the early reformers were, you know, walking around, you know, shaking in their boots, just trying to figure out if they were saved or not. They were scared. And I think that what 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 the Bible should do is it should be able to have you hold those things in tension. You know what I'm saying? And, it, and that, that has implications on, you know, if we're looking at, um, you know, if we're to mimic, right, Christ, if we're to mimic, uh, you know, God and, and the relationship between husband and wife, you should be both, you know, the arbiter of justice and the arbiter of mercy in your house. Like you should be both, you should hold both. It's not, you can't just be the tyrant, right? <laughs> like you can't just be the angry guy. Right. But you also can't just be the everything goes guy. Like, you know what I'm saying? I know, you, yeah. need, you need both. And understanding that I think has had a profound effect, I think, in just my theology as well as just how I show up as a man. Well, you're also in that moment where you have to be the arbiter of justice and mercy. You have mm-hmm. to use wisdom. And who's yes. your model for wisdom? God is the model for your wisdom. And so you, by being the, the leader of your household, of being just and merciful in the ways that applies and, and being wise, you are bringing God into your household. That's what it's all about. What it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude. It, uh, the dichotomies are crazy. I mean, it's just everybody wants to, everybody just wants to pick one because it's comfortable for them. And it's like, you don't get off the hook. You know what I'm saying? You, yeah. you know, they're, there, there are, there are things that, that you just have to hold intention in life. Um, and that's the reality of life is that two things can be true at once. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you have to hold that tension. It's like the tension between masculine and feminine and male and female. It's like 
the ability to step in and talk to a woman that you don't know and like to start a conversation with her, you have to hold that tension. You have yeah. to do that. Yeah. And this is what we're all learning to do as men is learning to hold that tension between these different things and not surrender to the desire to make it comfortable and easy by picking one or the other. We have to yeah. navigate our way between them. And that's hard. And that's the demand of being a man. And that's the blessing of it. Because when we figure out how to do that, that is the best feeling, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You feel, you feel, um, you feel like you're, you're, you're on the right path. Wisdom is, is probably, that's probably the coolest gift God could give to, to a man is to be able to discern ambiguity, be able to discern the areas that are really gray and, and make the most right. I won't say the right, but the most right decision in that moment. Um, I wish, I wish our leaders had some of that for one, but, right. <laughs> but, but I definitely wish that I had more of that early on in our relationship, me and Leah's, because uh, I definitely erred on one side or the other, just depending on how I felt. You know what I'm saying? I was, ne- I, I never really held both of those things in tension. Cause like I said, I grew up church boy. Um, and so, and I'm very much a part of that um, camp theologically, even though my dad didn't preach this way, very much part of that camp theologically where it was, there was less emphasis on the idea to be just. There was more emphasis on just being merciful, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that that then when I started to kind of embrace that end of it, the more just angle of it, I became a little power hungry. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it kind of became a trip for me. Mm-hmm. And it really wasn't until I think year maybe three or four that I have been in the steady practice. I won't say I've got it right, but I've been in the steady practice of holding those things in tension. And it's a good thing, but it's definitely not easy because, you know, your your inclination is to ride on one side or the other, um, depending on if you want to flex. If you want to flex, then you'll be on that side, you know. But if you if you if you want to, you know, kind of, you know, lighten the load, then you might be on that side. But you you you, you gotta you gotta what's that? Who said that? Um, I think it's Teddy Roosevelt said, uh, "Walk soft, but carry a big stick." I think mm-hmm. was the, the quote there. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, I think that's the probably the best way to sum up the the role of a, a man in general and definitely a man in the household is, you know, being, it's not being flippant or, or being uh, relative necessarily. It's, it is being wise. I think you put the word perfectly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's knowing what to do and when to do. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lifetime to develop, I'd say, probably. That's exactly what I was. That's exactly what I was thinking. Is that you can't know how to do this stuff. Wisdom is not something that you just. If you just have it as head knowledge, it's just head knowledge. Wisdom comes through practice and experience, and unfortunately, making mistakes. Right. Yeah. So. That's exactly right. That's exactly right, man. Will, you got a good podcast, man. I got to tell you, <laughs> I've got some awesome guests. You got a good podcast and you're a great interviewer, man. Let me, let me ask you this. When are you going to get married, man? When is it going now? As soon as I start dating, which is just, it's just recently started. So well, I'm, I'm moving in that direction. It's been about a year since I've been on a date or been interested in dating from, from previous circumstances, but now I'm starting to finally move in that direction. Before we get going, cause I got to get to know you what, so, all right, you stumble upon manosphere stuff. 
When is, so when does the change happen for you? I've heard about it in bits and pieces on some of your podcasts. But what was the the switch or the switches that led you to say, you know what, I'm going to take uh, charge of my life. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to get my finances together, and I'm going to get clarity on my purpose. Like, what was when was that for you? Well, I think a, a really big turning point in my life is is when I went on the Mankind Project New Warrior Training Adventure in 2013 which you may have heard me mention, which was an, a men's initiation experience. Yeah. And that was the, that was a really important turning point for me because I felt that in that I was able to have a, a very powerful experience being initiated in a circle of men and finally be accepted and seen by men for probably the first time in my life. And from that point forward, I discovered what it meant to be an in integrity and discovered that um, being an in integrity feels a lot better than it does to feel not an in integrity. And so uh, that's when that feeling became very important for me to hold on to. So yeah. I started making significant changes in my life to begin living more and more in integrity. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the the big shift came this year with COVID because I had just moved uh, back to the United States. I was living in New Zealand. Uh, my relationship there ended. It was very difficult for me to end that relationship. It was very necessary for both of us. And we're still friends now. We talk and everything. But when COVID started happening, I realized that someone, everyone was using everyone was using the phrase, this is a health crisis. And I was looking around at all the lockdowns going on. I'm like, well, this is more than a physical health crisis. This is an emotional health crisis. This is a mental health crisis. This is a spiritual yeah. health crisis. Like this is, it's just pretending to be this, about this quote unquote virus that's going on. It's about so much larger than that. And yeah. that was when I realized it's really important. It's really time for me to up my game. And uh, as a result of being in the Alexander Cortez inner circle, the men there encouraged me to write about some of my experiences on my blog. And I wrote this blog post called uh, to, um, to lose the world and gain my soul, which was mm-hmm. saying, I'm going to tell you about my experience as a man for the past years of my life. And now I'm going to speak up in favor of what I believe in. And if you're going to come and cancel me, come and cancel me, but I get to keep my soul. And so that's what triggered my realization that I have things to say to men and the Renaissance of men came out of that. That's awesome. Mm. Oh my gosh. And thank God it did, man. I mean, this is, like I said, this is your way to, and I, we were talking offline, but the way that you're able to really capture this moment uh, and title it at the Renaissance of Men is, is, is dead on. Thank you. You got a lot of important work to do, my man. <laughs> yes. I feel that too. I feel that too. <laughs> but you know, the beautiful thing about this moment is that none of us are doing this work alone. And it's so easy for so many men who are doing different things you know, these leaders, coaches, bloggers, authors, you know, fitness gurus, whatever, however men are participating, or just whether you listen to podcasts and you're trying to sort out your life, it's really easy in this very isolated modern era to feel like you're going at it alone. And that's why on my website, I visited this section called the library. And the library has a list of all the books and all the leaders and all the people to follow on Twitter and all the communities. It's like, look at the enormous amount of effort that is going into this. You know, if I gave it one thing, I gave it a name, the Renaissance of Men. It's so much bigger than it's to say it's so much bigger than me. Is There's no words for it. Like it's this massive thing that millions of men around the world are doing. We just can't go any one place and see it, but it's happening. And so, you know, we're all doing this work together and it's masculinity is, is being recreated through us, through us living. We're, we're making it possible. It's not some other thing that we've signed on for. Oh, this is cool. It's like, no, it's, it's being born through us, which I think is really exciting. Yeah, no, I, I I definitely think so too. What do you, uh, what do you see yourself 
going with the Renaissance of Men? Like what I know you you got the website going. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Uh, and you've got the coaching, the coaching business that you've developed. What do you as much as you can share? Mm-hmm. I, know, I know you're a businessman, but what, what as much as you can share, where do you see this going for yourself? Well, there's a really there's a huge project that I'm working on behind the scenes that I can't talk about, unfortunately. Okay. Um, but this is this is going to a very special and unique place that I'm, I'm putting a lot of energy into. Um, but you know, over time, if I could have one goal of the Renaissance of Men, just in general, is that all the men that are participating in this come to see themselves as part of something larger than themselves. That is at once uh, it's in them, and that they are also inside of, and so that they don't feel alone that they're doing it. And so, you know, I've got my, my coaching options and I've got my, my uh, podcast and I've got my Instagram and I'm going to start working on YouTube videos as well, where I start sharing a bit more of my thoughts about things, which is really exciting. But what I really want all the men listening and all the men participating in the Renaissance to know is you are part of something so much larger than yourself. And that thing cannot be stopped because as soon as you take action in the temple of iron, no one can stop you from taking action in the temple of iron. No one can stop you from reading a book. And if they shut down the gyms because of COVID, no one can stop you from doing push-ups or, or going for a walk or doing yoga. No one can stop you from tracking your calories and getting in shape. The Renaissance is done through action and they can cancel you and censor you online, but they can't stop you from taking action. And when I was in my apartment, you know, I lost 40 pounds. I did like 90% of my working out in my apartment, you know, wow. so it's, so you can, I mean, you can do all that if you have the, have the will to do it. And that's what people need to know. That's what men need to know is the Renaissance cannot be stopped because it happens in action and you have more avenues for action than I think you realize. Yeah. That's uh, losing the world and keeping your soul. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that, man. That, re- that, that resonates, man. Um, well, that's from Matthew. That's from Matthew. No, I know. <laughs> you know, I know. I just, I think it resonates because you, the way you worded it was, uh, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but you said, I don't mind losing the world and keeping my soul. Yeah. In Matthew, it's, I don't, I don't want to gain the world and lose my soul. So it's a little bit of an inversion there, but I, I, I like that one. Cause it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it sounds like you're just kind of like a, kind of like a F you to everybody that's trying to, <laughs> trying to knock you down, you know? Mm-hmm. I get to keep this. There's nothing you can do about that. And and you know what? Let me. Can I say this really quick? Yeah, of course. Go ahead. I was sitting thinking. You know, there's a lot of talk about, uh, and I I get where they're coming from, but there's a lot of talk uh, in our spaces where men are like, you know, they're trying to take our our rights. Um, but what you said just then really resonates because it's like, if it is. If it is something that's spiritual, if it is something that, that's given to you by the creator in that way, then there's nothing anybody can do to take away your actual sovereignty. Mm-hmm. They can, they, everything else is a lie. Like them, you know what I'm saying? Everything's a lie. They're, 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 they're acting like they have that kind of control. And it kind of harkens to the idea too, whenever, you know, Jesus is with Pilate and, uh, and he just, it's super gritty. I know, I don't necessarily know that I could I could have that kind of courage to say that in a moment, but Pilate is like, you know, that I, you know, that I have the power to take your life. And he says, nobody takes my life, but I lay it down of my own accord. And it's just like, Oh, dude, you know what I'm saying? That's why he's this, this, You know what I'm saying? He's just talking reckless. And, <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> you know? And um, man, I just, that spirit is the right one. That's just the right one for right now. No one takes 
your rights or your life or your, your, your masculinity away from you. Mm-hmm. You lay it down on your own accord. And damn, right now you don't need to lay it down. You need to pick it up. That's right. Get with the Renaissance. <laughs> Amen. Well, there is something really to that in that, you know, evil darkness can't create anything. It can only get destroyed. Yes. And the only way that it can create anything is through us, through using our creative ability, because we each have a piece, a fragment of the creator within us that gives us our creative ability to imagine and, and create, essentially. Evil does not have that power. Evil can warp and twist and pervert our will to do its will, which is what you see with the Karen phenomenon. It's like, put on your mask or whatever. It's like, it's, it's <laughs> trying to shame you into surrendering your own creative power. Yes. And so that's that's how evil evil works is it can't do anything to you that you don't agree to it. So your free will is a central issue for all of this. Central. Yeah, 100 percent. Oh, man. Well, I feel like we could go for another three hours, man, but I got to eat know. dinner. I know, man. I know for <laughs> My sure. My wife just pulled up. <laughs> well, we can definitely do this again because I feel like, well, I, I can tell you that I know that there are a lot of men that are very spiritually hungry right now. And I think one of the really cool things about this moment is there are men that are embodying authentic masculinity who are also Christians. And I think there are so many other men that have such a bad impression of Christianity for some of the reasons that you articulate that it doesn't have a relation to the body and to the earth, for example. But if you're able and, and I'm able to have a relationship to our bodies and to the earth and to sexuality and still be Christians, I think a lot of men are like, oh, that's interesting. I've never seen that before. So there's obviously so much more we can talk about. For sure. Yeah. Well, let's let's once we get off this recording, let's schedule another time. I, I'd love to come back on, man. This is great. Done. Let's do that. Let's do that. Well, where can people go to find out more about you and what you do? Uh, I'm on Instagram pretty actively uh, at being husband pod at being husband pod on Instagram. Uh, that's primarily where I do all my my posts and things like that. If you want to check out the podcast, we're available on any of the podcast platforms: iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean. Anywhere where you can receive a podcast, you're you're welcome to check me out there. Excellent. Well, this has been really fantastic, Jonathan. I was looking forward to talking to you and this conversation didn't disappoint. Good. I'm glad. episode of the Renaissance of Men podcast. Visit us on the web at renofmen.com or on your favorite social media platform at Ren of Men. This is the Renaissance of Men. You are the Renaissance.